This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. What's up, everybody? It's Bobby here at Coochie's Corner, and we're coming up on race weekend. Believe it or not, we are just uh, a couple days away from NASCAR being back on the racetrack. We will, uh, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the news for the week. Uh, We'll get you guys all caught up on that. We'll talk about the starting lineup for Sunday's The Real Heroes 400. We'll talk about the, um, you know, the parameters for this weekend's uh, race. We'll talk about how NASCAR is going to uh, settle the starting lineups for uh, Darlington and Charlotte. We will also talk about the realignment of some races. We will talk about the postponement of some other events as NASCAR released their second slate of races, which they released um, yesterday. Um, right around the time that we were trying to do our Facebook Live. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about that yesterday, but here on the podcast, we'll go in, in depth on that. We will also talk about Rick Rare Racing and some clarification from both Bob Prockers and Rick Ware on this on what exactly is going on. We will also talk about BJ McLeod's new number 78 uh, cup car. And we will talk about Tommy Baldwin's return to the NASCAR Cup Series with the number seven that will be piloted by Josh Bullocky this weekend. And we'll go over any other random tidbits that come along. So Jump on board, give us a listen here to the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast as we look forward to getting back on the racetrack starting Sunday, May 17th at Darlington, the first of two races there this upcoming week. Don't forget we have the race on Wednesday night as well, and you can catch the Flag the Flag uh, coverage on Fox starting Sunday, May 17th at 3.30 p.m. We'll be right back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast after this quick break. All right, guys, it's Bobby back here on the Coochie's Corner podcast. And first, I want to start with the competition updates for this weekend. And um, next week at Charlotte, uh, NASCAR released some news after we recorded the earlier uh, podcast during the week. And they updated the procedures for both um, the starting lineup for the races that they're not going to have qualifying, like the Sunday's race at Darlington. And then the Wednesday race as well, as well as Tuesday's Xfinity race. And we'll go from there. And then we'll talk about how the competition cautions are going to work. And uh, we'll kind of go through that. And then we'll talk about the uh, starting lineup, the qualifying draw they held last night, which uh, they did um, right around the time we did our Facebook Live. And then we'll catch you guys up on all the news and notes as well. So in this first part, we're going to talk about the cup race on Sunday. So the pit selection is based on the charter team owner points, followed by the open team owner points. Pit stalls will be picked in advance, and the pit boxes will be in the stalls when the teams arrive. So that is all settled. Um, I don't have that on the page right now, but hopefully by the time the podcast gets up, uh, we'll have it on there later this evening on uh, Friday evening here, and uh, we'll have that on the page. So if you go on, Facebook.com slash the crew chief or on Instagram at crew chief's corner or on Twitter at the crew chief. You'll find the pit stall assignments. I'll get those up there this evening. So for this race on Sunday, the starting lineup, what they did was they did a qualifying draw last night on Fox sports one on race hub. And basically what the draw was is they took positions one through 12 in the uh, charter teams owner points. And those guys did a random draw from those positions. So if you were the top team, you got to pick a a, basically a a bingo ball out and it had a number one all the way to a number 12 on it. From 13 to 24th, they did the same thing. You would pick a, uh, a bingo ball out and it would be between 13 and 24. They did the same thing for 25th through 36th. And then the open teams would be from 37th to 40th. And they just did those teams in order of those owner points. So 
obviously BJ McLeod and um, Josh Balicki, who's driving for Tommy Baldwin, those are brand new teams that have not competed this year. So they got to basically do 39th and 40th. So um, that's how that all worked out. So a lot of confusion on that, but that's how it all worked out. And we have the starting lineup for you. So Sunday's starting lineup for the Real Heroes 400 is as follows. Uh, Brad Keselowski is on the pole. Alex Bowman is going to start second. Now, just just a word about Keselowski. Because he's going to start first, does, does not count as a Bush Pole Award. This does not count towards his Bush Clash eligibility. So this is just a, a, a pole that he won on the random draw. Bowman second. Matt D. Benedetto is going to be third in the 21. Kyle Bush in the 18 uh, is going to start fourth. Eric Amarola is going to start fifth in his uh, number 10, Smithfield Ford. Then in sixth spot, it's Kevin Harvick in the Bush Light. Hashtag your face here, Ford. Uh, quick side note about that. There is a promotion on uh, Twitter. If you use the hashtag, uh, hashtag your face here, submit a photo of yourself with the hashtag, hashtag Bush contest. Both of those hashtags in your social media post, and you would be eligible to be on Harvick's car. And you will also have a chance to win tickets to a race of your choice in 2021. So cool gesture there by Bush uh, Beer. Ryan Blaney's going to start seventh in his uh, Menards Duracell Ford. Then Jimmy Johnson's going to start in eighth in his Ally Chevrolet. Ninth will be Joey Logano in the Shell Penzoil, uh, Penzoil Ford. Then tenth will be Denny Hamlin in the FedEx Thank You Toyota Camry. Starting 11th will be Chase Elliott in the Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. 12th will be Matt Kenseth in his first race back in a cup car since uh, Homestead 2018. And Matt will be in the Credit One Bank Chevrolet. Then this next group of cars is the group that was, like I said uh, earlier, was either 13th through 24th in charter team owner points. So starting 13th will be Clint Boyer. He's in the Rush Trucking Mobile One Ford Mustang. 14th is his teammate Cole Custer in the 41 HaasTooling.com Ford Mustang. Then in 15th, you have Martin Trucks Jr., the Bats Pro Shops Toyota Camry. Then you have Austin Dillon in 16th in the number three, the uh, Simbacourt Chevrolet Camaro. Then you have 17th, Bubba Wallace, the Worldwide Technology Chevrolet Camaro. Then you have uh, an 18th, William Byron, in the number 24, Exalta Chevrolet Camaro. 19th is going to be Corey LaJoy in the number 32, Dryden Ford Mustang. And then starting 20th, the 20 car of Eric Jones, the DeWalt Atomic, thank you, Toyota Camry. 21st in his first race back since his uh, vicious crash in the 2020 Daytona 500, Ryan Newman in the number 6. In the Oscar Mayer Ford Mustang. 22nd is going to be the number one of Kurt Busch in the Monster Energy Chevrolet Camaro. 22nd, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the Kroger Chevrolet. Then 24th, his, uh, his former uh, seat that he was in, uh, the 17 of Chris Busher in the Fastenal Ford Mustang. 25th is Ryan Priest in the Cottonelle Chevrolet Camaro. 26th, the number 53 for Garrett Smithley. The Trophy Tractor Chevrolet Camaro. And 27th, it's the double zero for Quinn Hoff. He is in the units Chevrolet Camaro. 28th is going to be Christopher Bell in the number 95 Ream Toyota Camry. 29th is the eight car for Tyler Reddick in the Caterpillar Chevrolet Camaro. Then in 30th, it's going to be the 27, which was the 52. More on that in a minute. Uh, it's going to be J.J. Yaley and the Jacob Construction Ford Mustang. 31st is going to be Michael McDowell and the number 34 CarParts.com Ford Mustang. New sponsor for Michael McDowell uh, on Sunday at Darlington and also on Wednesday as well. Then you have uh, Joey Gase in the number 51, the Agri uh, Supply Ford Mustang. And then 33rd will be Ty Dillon, the Geico Chevrolet Camaro. Then 34th will be the rookie John Hunter Nemechek in the number 38 
uh, sit guard Ford Mustang. Actually, that's not going to be sit guard. That's going to be uh, Skag um, Lawnmowers is going to be the sponsor on that car. That was a, a typo on NASCAR's part. Then in 35th, you have Brendan Poole in the Spartan Go Chevrolet Camaro. Then you have the 36, the number 77 of Reed Sorensen. In the, um, I think this is Bond Scours, uh, hashtag the real hero Chevrolet Camaro. Then in 37th, you have Daniel Suarez in the t- Today, Tomorrow, Toyota, Toyota Camry. That's a tongue twister if you haven't already figured that out. Then in 38th, Timmy Hill in the number 66, the roofclaim.com Toyota Camry. Then the last two cars, these are the two brand new teams to the sport this weekend. The number 78 for BJ McLeod, and he's in his Chevrolet Camaro. And then you have in 40th, the number seven, Josh Balicki in the Gravely Lawnmowers Chevrolet Camaro. So that is your starting lineup for Sunday's The Real Heroes 400 at the Darlington Raceway. The race gets started, like I said, at 3.30 p.m., and you can catch it on Fox. You can catch that on the Fox Sports app if you have it. And then it's also on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio if you have a Sirius uh, XM subscription. And it's also on MRN Radio, and you can find them on several different stations across the country. So check them out on one of those areas. So you have the starting lineup for Darlington for Sunday, and then getting back to the competition. So how they're going to set the race on Wednesday, the pit selection is going to be based on the finishing position from Sunday's race at Darlington followed by new entries in order of points. Pit stalls will be picked in advance, and pit boxes will be in the stalls when the teams arrive. Starting lineup. Positions 1 to 20 will invert the top 20 from Sunday's race at Darlington, meaning the driver that finishes 20th will start on the pole. The driver that wins Sunday race will start 20th. Positions 21 to 40 in finishing order from the May 17th race at Darlington followed by any new entries. <clears throat> so if you finish 40th, the highest you'll start on uh, Wednesday's race will be 21st. So that'll be very weird. The row 10 is going to have the race winner from Sunday and the guy that finished 40th. How ironic is that going to be? Pretty ironic. So for the Xfinity cars on Tuesday, their race, their pit selection is based on Phoenix qualifying. So we'll, we'll go look that up for you guys if you guys want to know that. The starting lineup's a little more confusing. Positions 1 through 12, the first 12 NASCAR Xfinity teams, based on adverse conditions lineup eligibility, will be assigned starting positions 1st through 12th using a random draw. Positions 12 to, uh, 12 to 24, the next 12 NASCAR Xfinity teams, based on the adverse conditions lineup eligibility, will be assigned starting positions 12 to 24th using a random draw. Starting positions 25 to 36, the next 12 Xfinity teams, based on adverse conditions lineup eligibility, will be assigned starting positions 25th through 36th using a random draw. Any vehicles that that are eligible for the event in positions 37 through 40th, remember they increased the fields for the Xfinity and the trucks for these two, uh, these next two weeks, they are going to be 40 vehicles. Uh, any vehicles that are eligible for the event in positions 37 through 40 will be assigned starting positions based on their order of eligibility. Meaning if you've had, let's say two or three starts and you know, you, maybe you skip the race, uh, and you have a brand new team, obviously a team that's run a couple races or attempted those couple races will get um, something above a team. Um, what? I'm sorry. I, I was just, I just saw something come across and I saw I saw this. So this is kind of some breaking news that we're going to get to on on the way here. I just saw something flash across my phone and I'm trying to get to it. Um, hopefully this does not play a video in the middle of this and it just did. So I apologize about that. Um, I hate, I hate when you have to buy time on a podcast cause you know, you're, you're listening to a podcast and you're like, just get the news out. Just get the news out. I, I know how it is. 
Uh, da, 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 da. Pocono, Pocono, Pocono. I just saw something about Pocono. I want to get it right. I don't want to just randomly say something. Uh, so... Tom Wolf on NASCAR and Pocono. We actually had conversations with NASCAR, and I told them Pennsylvania is not ready to make a decision. More from Governor Wolf. The area that they want to have this gathering in is actually in the red, right now, red zone, red phase. So I told them that Pennsylvania is not ready to make a decision. And then you can only imagine what the replies to that are. So apparently he is not ready to make a decision. And that is absolutely a joke. Um, I just, I literally right now just don't get how, how we are where we are with this because literally, I mean, I understand that Pocono logistically and geographically is in the Lehigh Valley. I get that. But at the end of the day, um, So apparently, so here's another tweet that I just see. Uh, So Governor Tom Wolf makes official that Beaver County will make the move to yellow phase next Friday, May 22nd. Uh, This is a quote from Wolf. The virus has not been eradicated. Uh, If we can see, if we see a continued decline in case counts, we can lift more uh, restrictions. Wolf speaks of the way the the, uh, the virus ravaged Italy in discussing frustration he knows red phase counties might be feeling, but he urges the danger still lurks even as weather gets nice and we see others around us having restrictions eased. Wolf discusses, discusses how easily the disease could be spread as res, uh, restrictions ease and continues to urge public distant, uh, diligence in social distancing while he and his administration continue to get guidance from epi, epidemiologists. Uh, they're going to do more contact tracing. That's great. I'm trying to, there was a NASCAR part of this in here. Uh, uh, I, th- you know, he says he thinks Beaver County's made really great progress. Uh, PA is not ready to make a decision on the NASCAR races held at Pocono Raceway. Wolf says he's told NASCAR. There is no criteria that all Pennsylvania counties need to be in the yellow phase for other counties to move to the green uh, phase. So it sounds like, um, you know, we're, we're just, I just don't, I literally don't get it. I, I just, I just don't, this one does not make sense to me. Um, so that was the breaking news on that. And I know we had a lot of dead space in there and I apologize about that. But when you get breaking news like that, you want to kind of make sure you're, you're at least putting it in the podcast. So it could have been a little more polished, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not too worried about it. It's, uh, it was breaking, um, you know, I know like an hour ago, but it was kind of like something flashed across the screen and you're just like, wait, what just happened? What did Tom will say about Pocono? And, um, so that was that. So getting back to the discussion on <laughs> the, um, on the Xfinity series. So we, we talked about how, um, this is all going to be based on random draws and I, I don't know what the heck the adverse conditions lineup eligibility means, but that's what they're using. That's the terminology they're using. So we'll go with that. Okay, NASCAR, you know, you guys want to make things complicated. We already talked about the 20th uh, for the Cup at uh, at Darlington. Let's talk about um, the 24th. So the Coca-Cola 600, they are going to do qualifying. Um, the only difference will be they're going to use for pit selection, they're going to use the order based on finishing positions from the May 20th race at Darlington followed by new entries in order of points. Pit stalls will be picked in advance, and pit boxes will be in the stalls when the teams arrive. Obviously, they're going to start the starting lineups based on qualifying. So for the Xfinity race on the 25th, so this will be on Monday, the pit selection will be based on the finishing position from the May 19th race, followed by new entries in order of points. 
the starting lineup will be the same procedure as Darlington. So that eligibility for adverse conditions will be the ones they use for um, Charlotte as well. And then for the trucks, they're going to do basically the same thing, except one through 10 will be using a random draw. And then it goes 11 to 21, 22 to 20 uh, to 32. And then any vehicles that are eligible for the event will be assigned 33rd to 40th based on their order of eligibility. And then for the cup series at uh, Charlotte on the 27th, they'll do the same thing they did at Darlington for the Wednesday race. They'll do the invert. So they're going to do the same thing. And then any new finish, uh, any new entries will be behind the people that finished the race on Sunday, the 20th, right? Or 24th. I'm sorry. The 24th at Charlotte modified competition caution procedure. So, NASCAR is going to do a modified caution procedure for these one competition cautions in each one of these races. So for the cup cars, it's going to be May 17th on lap 30. For the Xfinity Series, it will be on lap 15. And then everything else is TBD. The procedure is as follows. The field will be frozen at the time of the competition caution. The field will be assembled behind the pace car. The running order, lead lap, lap down cars will be established and the free pass sent. The waiver round rule is not in effect. Pit road are open to the top 20. The cars must beat the pace car off pit road to retain the freeze position. So basically what NASCAR is going to do is if you're in the top 20, you get to pit first. And you could take as long as you want on pit road to fix the car, do whatever you guys want to do. But you have to beat the pace car out. If you don't beat the pace car, you lose your position. So, um, you know, you could take, you know, at at Darlington, you could probably take 45, 50 seconds, maybe a minute-ish to fix your car, get it right, and then go out and uh, not lose lose your spot. Um, And then they're going to do the same thing the next lap for the next 20. And again, the car must beat. Um, they must beat the pace car off pit road to maintain freeze position. Um, the above pit cycle repeats. Each team is allowed to pit two times. So they're going to do it again to make sure everybody does it. And it's the same um, thing. Then they reestablish lineup per freeze and restart the race. So infractions under this modified competition caution. Not beating the pace car off pit road results in loss of lap and restart at the tail end of the field. So that's a big penalty. Pitting more than twice or at a sequence. So if you're a back 20 car and you pit with the top 20, results in restarting at tail end of the field. Not the worst penalty ever. And then all current pit road rules are in effect. So you can't go 100 miles an hour down pit road. Denny Hamlin. Um, (laughs) you can't, uh, leave your tires outside your pit boxes and all the other stuff that we have grown accustomed to is all in effect. So you can't go a hundred miles on pit road to try to beat the pace car out. You'll end up in trouble. And, uh, that's that. So that's a very confusing thing, but NASCAR is not going to change the caution procedures for any other caution outside of this particular competition caution which they will have in these get back races in this first slate. They have not announced that this is extended to the second um, slate of races. All right. So now we're going to get back to the other news and I'm going to check and see how we're doing on time. If I'm going to probably split this. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to talk to you guys about the, um, the second slate of races, when they are, we'll talk about the news of what track, um, what tracks are being postponed. Uh, as you just heard, uh, the breaking news that I got on my phone was that Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania, is not really sure about NASCAR at Pocono yet. Um, so, you know, whether that's a postponement, a cancellation, I really hope to God it's not a cancellation because uh, the, the Pocono racetrack is, is one I've gone to for many, many years. And I enjoy it. it is a beautiful part of the country. It's a great place to go watch a race. 
I know a lot of people don't like it on TV. It doesn't play as well on TV as it does in person. I'll say that, um, you know, and, and part of the reason why I think that is real quick, just so, so I can fill a little couple minutes here. Um, you know, I think Pocono, it, it's just as much the experience. It's just as much getting going there. Um, you know, it really is in the middle of nowhere. It really is a place that you can social distance. Um, there's, you know, I, I know they've done a great job getting more and more fans to come to these races. And I know they've, they sold more tickets this year than they have in years past because of the double header. There was a lot of excitement going into this race weekend. Um, and a lot of people were looking at this as a, a possible, you know, vi- uh, view into the future. Maybe this is something NASCAR is going to try at other racetracks um, in 2021 to get creative with the schedule and, and maybe open up some dates. Um, but you know, I, I just, I just don't know what's going to happen if they can't run that particular weekend with some of the realignment that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, you know, it does open up other dates. It opens up other timeframes, but you do start to worry about what is going to happen. And then we do have some positive news. Steve O'Donnell was asked today, about possibly when we could see some fans at a racetrack. He gave us an answer to that. So we will come back after a quick break. We'll give you the second slate of races. We'll tell you about the second slate of postponements. There is unfortunately a cancellation I got to talk to you guys about. And then also we will talk about the possibility of fans back at the racetrack. Steve O'Donnell gave an answer. So we'll catch you on the other side of this quick break. And we'll see you soon right here on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So I did tease in the last segment that we were going to go over the second slate of races. So here is the second installment of the NASCAR return to racing schedule. That's what they're calling this. So this is 13 races in four series. So the next race that we will see is Saturday, May 30th, and this will be at Bristol. This is going to be a 160-mile event, so it's going to be like 320 I think it's 300 laps. Actually, it's a 300 lap race. It's going to be on Fox Sports 1, and that's going to be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Then Sunday, May 31st, we're back at Bristol for the Cup Cars. It's a 500 lap race, Fox Sports 1, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Saturday, June 6th, we are at Atlanta for the Gander Truck Series, a 200-mile race, Fox Sports 1, 1 p.m. Eastern. Then also on Saturday, June 6th, the Xfinity Cars will race a 251-mile event. That's going to be on regular Fox, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. And that's it, probably the approximation after the, uh, after the trucks finish. Then Sunday, June 7th, we are, we are still at Atlanta. The Cup Cars will be there for their 500-mile race. And that will be on Fox at 3 o'clock. Then Wednesday, June 10th, the Cup Series goes to Martinsville for their 500-mile, 500-lap race on Fox Sports 1, and that is at 7 p.m. So the first night race at Martinsville will be Wednesday, June 10th at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Then Saturday, June 13th, the uh, Gander Trucks are going to be at Homestead, Miami for their 200-mile race, Fox Sports 1, 12.30 p.m. Then also on Saturday, um, the Xfinity cars will run their 250-mile race, and that will be on regular Fox at 3.30 p.m. Then Sunday, the Xfinity cars come back, and they will run a second race, a 250-mile event, on Fox Sports 1 at 12 o'clock. Then the Cup cars will run on the 14th, and that's Sunday as well. They'll run their 400-mile race on Fox at 3.30 p.m. Then the ARCA series gets back at uh, at Talladega. They're going to run June 20th. That's a Saturday. They run a 202-mile event on Fox Sports 1 at 2 o'clock. Then the Xfinity cars will take to the track for their 300-mile event on Fox Sports 1 at 5.30 p.m. Then the Cup cars run at Talladega, their 500-mile race. That gets started at 3 p.m. All the above dates will continue without fans in attendance. The remainder of the adjusted schedule for the NASCAR series will be announced at a later date. Um, in addition, NASCAR announced yesterday 
the postponement of the event to Kansas. That was May 30th to the 31st. Michigan International Speedway, June 5th to the 7th. The NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio on May 30th. And the Gander Truck Series, out, uh, the Gander Outdoors Truck Series race at Texas Motor Speedway, previously scheduled for June 5th, as well as a cancellation of all NASCAR National Series races in the Well and Modified Tour event at the Iowa Speedway for the 2020 season. The Xfinity race for Iowa Speedway, scheduled for June 13th, has been realigned to Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday, June 14th. Further Iowa Speedway realignment dates will be announced in the near future. So, no races at Iowa. Postponements so far confirmed at Kansas, Michigan, and the Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio, and the Gander Outdoor Truck Series race at Texas. And like I said, cancellations abound, uh, or a cancellation, I should say, at Iowa for 2020. So that's really where we stand right now with the, um, with all that, with the, uh, the realigned races and where the slate is at. Um, the only other news story I really want to get to is the, uh, Rick Ware situation. So, um, um, so Rick Ware originally announced that they were going to run, um, you know, four cars, they, they just, you know, finished their purchase of, of premium. Um, so Rick has the 15, uh, uh, charter. He also owns the 51, what was the 52, which is now the 27, which I'll go over in a minute and the 53. Um, so he has all those charters, um, that he, he has right now. He only outright owns the 15 and what is now the 27. So he only controls technically two charters. The 51 is a partnership between um, Richard Petty Motorsports and Rick Ware Racing. Rick's allowed to use the 51, um, use the 44's charter, which is the team that it belongs to. He uses the 44's charter with permission through this partnership that he has with Richard Petty Motorsports. And they use that for the 51. In the event Richard Petty ever gets a sponsor to run a second car, that charter would return to Richard Petty Motorsports for that 44 car, and Rick would be out of luck on a charter. He has a lease agreement right now with Front Row Motorsports for the 53. Remember David Reagan ran the 36 at Daytona for Rick Ware Racing? Well, that was the car um, that um, the 53 became. So that's why he has that lease agreement with uh, Front Row Motorsports. He also announced um, some ser- uh, a series of changes. You can check out all that news on Crew Chief's Corner's Facebook page, so facebook.com slash the crew chief. It's also, I believe, on Twitter. So Twitter, um, at the crew chief, you can check it out on one of those two sites. I don't think I got it on Instagram last night, but not the end of the world. You can check out who's um, the new VP and, and some other positions they promoted as well. But a very interesting thing that we um, – I thought we were discovering, and then it kind of got kiboshed because Pacris – I guess someone pointed this out to Bob and he went to Rick and, and, and uh, wrote a story about it. So when Tommy Baldwin and um, BJ McLeod announced that they were form that they each had their own cars that they were bringing to Darlington, I really had a, a, a aha moment. Okay. And my aha moment was this was Rick Ware's way of Scott side skirting the rules with the four team limit. And what I thought was the case, and you know, most people could ponder this idea, is that Rick Ware was gonna instead of running the 27 and the 54, which because of the four uh, charter team limit, he wasn't gonna be able to run the 54 or the 27 anymore because the 27 was the open car at premium. Um, because now the the new 27 was the 52. Um, Rick had a sponsor that, that, um, how can I say this? Um, the, that, you know, prefers the 27 over the 52. So that's why the 52 is now the 27. Okay. So this was, this was a sponsor's decision. It wasn't Rick's decision. Um, so the other news was, um, like I said, the other thing I thought was the seven was basically a way around the rules because Tommy Baldwin worked at premium, 
which means now he works for Rick Ware. And BJ McLeod has some Xfinity cars and equipment and stuff. And then he now has, um, you know, access with Rick and stuff. He's, you know, drives for Rick and stuff. So maybe Rick decided to uh, give him a car and they were going to side skirt the rules that way. Rick came out and denied it all, said it's, it's, um, basically not true. Um, that, uh, that, uh, BJ is, is housing his own team, the 78, uh, cup car. And he's also housing Tommy Baldwin's car. So, and I just thought it was ironic because Todd Parrott, who is, I think BJ's crew chief, um, is a, was a Rick Ware racing employee technically, or worked at premium. So I just thought the whole deal was very, very weird. It was very much a, it smelled and reeked of a Rick Ware kind of deal, but uh, Rick went out there and clarified that. So, so basically the seven and the 78, the, yeah, they're working together, but they're doing that at BJ's shop. But I wouldn't be surprised if the cars that are there weren't somehow Rick's or premiums at one time. But again, I, I don't think that they're affiliated. Um, and then the only other team that Rick has an affiliation with is the 77 aspire which is premiums deal that they already had and they're honoring that contract even though rick bought out premium so um that was the interesting dynamic of that the whole announcement it was kind of crazy we had like five different stories up there and i apologize to everybody you know we tried i tried very hard to work through um a source of mine that um, has direct knowledge of what was going on over at rick Ware racing and um you know there's a lot of craziness coming out of there we saw some pictures on twitter that kind of threw wrinkles into the stories. Then we were trying to figure out what was true, what was false, what was just people were just throwing stuff up against the wall and all that. So very, very interesting. And also I briefly want to touch on the Chicago land story, because I don't know if I talked about this in the last uh, podcast or not. So more often than not, you'll, you'll hear me talk about stories and things. And, and when I talk about things on the, on the, on the page, whether it's the Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, I try to be very accurate. I try to give you guys the best news available. I try not to be one of those people that just throw things out there and let them stick and see what happens. You know, I, I've been around this deal for 20 years. And and for those of you that, that you know, might just be checking me out for the first time, it's like, oh, what do you mean you've been doing this for 20 years? I just found you. There's no way you've been doing this 20 years. And yeah, no, I have. I've been doing this since 2000. I mean, Crown Lotto is about 12 years old at the time. So 20 plus 12, you can do the math. I'm 32. Okay, going to be 32 this year. Um, so I've been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, when 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 I first started, J-Ski was the be-all, end-all. And there was no Twitter. There was, I mean, you know, MySpace really wasn't even a thing yet. Um, the internet wasn't what it was, what it is today. And back in the day, you had to have sources. You had to know people. And I was never that connected at 12. There was just no way. I mean, I'm a 12-year-old kid. I'm doing a, a website. You know, basically everything I did was it was basically ripped right off of J-Ski. Um, I worked very hard, though. I, I got um, some connections with teams. Um, you know, I had a pretty good working relationship with Bill Davis Racing. Um, I, at one time, I had an opportunity to to do some stuff for, um, a, a race team that was supposed to come out of West Virginia. Um, I, I had all the, you know, I was given proposals on that. I mean, I, I literally, I think that was right before I got out of it, um, for a bit. And I, I had a proposal to actually run a NASCAR teams like PR and stuff. Like they were literally gonna, gonna let me do it. Uh, which for me, I mean, that was like the dream, you know, was to do this for, for a living. And, you know, I quickly realized that there's just so many sharks out there that there's no way you can do this for a living. I, I just, I do this as a hobby. I do this on the side. I mean, I have a, a regular job I work and, and this is just, you know, I do this for fun. I don't do this like a, like when I was a little kid, I mean, I, you know, 15, 16 year old kid, I was, I was doing this cause I thought this was well, kind of like something I was going to do for, for a living. And, and you really quickly realize that, you know, the J skis of the world, I mean, J ski, literally Jay would spend 16, 20 hours a day working on his webpage. I never had that kind of time. You know, I, I would maybe carve out two or three hours a day to work on my webpage and, and find news and do some different stuff. But I can never do what Jayski did. And I never tried to be Jayski. I always tried to be a little bit different. I always tried to have a different spin on things and, and try to do things my own way. And I learned, 
you know, when I got back into doing this, that the way I was trying to do it and, and, and trying to like just take Jayski's stuff and just regurgitate it wasn't going to work. I had to do something different. And social media really in the five years I took off between 2007 and about 2012, when I started getting back into it, social media blew up. You know, MySpace was out there. Facebook became a thing. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, all these different mediums. You know, now you got TikTok. You got, you know, people are using Snapchat and Instagram. You know, there's so many different mediums out there that today you don't have to do the website. You know, I, I got I gave up the website. I don't have a website. I have no plans on bringing a website back because I think everybody today and a lot of younger people today go on social media to get news. You're on Twitter more. You're on Facebook more. So when I try to get, you know, when I tried to bring this whole idea back, you know, Crew Chief's Corner, because this was actually something I had. You know, I had the Crew Chief. Um, we, you know, I won awards when I was at uh, Sweet 101, which is a thing that probably none of you have heard of. But Sweet 101 was kind of like revolutionary in its own way. It was like uh, basically an online encyclopedia. It was kind of like Wikipedia before Wikipedia blew up. And Sweet 101 had different topics. And I was the NASCAR Xfinity series editor and I was, you know, doing, um, you know, race recaps and I was doing all kinds of things. And, and we won, I won web awards for how I ran that page. And it, it was, it was incredible, um, experience. It was great. And, and like I said, I mean, that was kind of part of the reason why I catapulted my success with the crew chief, um, which is why the name on Facebook is the crew chief. Cause that's how it all started for me. And, um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years and, and I've just been at different places. I mean, you know, I was on, um, I was on, uh, um, one of those media sites, one of the motorsports media sites, I was on that. And I think I've told the story about how I wrote an article about Jeff Gordon. And, you know, when you're 15, you're writing articles for, you know, for the first time on, on big, you know, media sites, you're trying to, you know, impress people and you say something stupid. And, you know, I, I think you know, I said something about, you know, was Jeff Gordon think he has God or something? And then people that didn't didn't like that comment too much. So I no longer wrote for that particular site anymore, which which really didn't bother me because it wasn't the be all end all. I mean, I was I was kind of off doing my own thing and I was kind of doing the other page to kind of, you know, make my brand bigger, so to speak. Um, not that branding was a thing back then, but, um, you know, I so so getting back to the point is. You know, I've learned a long time ago, it's all about being accurate. It's not necessarily about being right, but it's when you bring a story, you're accurate and you're, and you're bringing you the best information you can and don't rush to get something out there. You know, sometimes there's no, there's no gold medal for being first. There's, there's something to be said about being truthful and being honest and being open about things. And that's how I always try to be. If I get something wrong, I own up and I say, hey, guys, this is what I had. This is why I went with it. I trusted these people. It is what it is. Mistakes were made. We're going to move on. But I try to be very, very rare with those. I try to make sure that we we uh, get everything right all the time and, and be accurate because there's a lot of people that just throw stuff out there and hopes that it sticks. And, you know, I feel bad because Adam Stern had had one of those moments with the Chicagoland thing. And um, it just, you know, he, he was trying to put two and two together. And, you know, he for what he had, it was it, it made sense that Chicagoland was going to get demolished and all this stuff. But it made me think. And one of the reasons why I thought about this and why I really, really, really didn't believe this was when he said the comment of. They laid a whole bunch of people off. They just announced that they weren't running Chicagoland. And somehow this was all because of coronavirus. And I sat there and I said to myself, I said, Bobby, there is no way that this is true. Because why would NASCAR get rid of a whole bunch of people in marketing, social media, all the stuff that they're doing? They're doing this stuff already in Daytona. Or, you know, they're doing this stuff already. This, there's no way that they just decided on a, because we're getting rid of Chicagoland for one year, we're just going to get rid of all these people. There's no way that happened. And also, there's no way they're going to be able to take the racetrack down in a year and start putting up the stuff and then just to say, eh, you know, we're just we're done with it. 
because before this year started, you weren't even like this plan to redevelop these tracks came around the same time that the coronavirus was starting in this country. And you mean to tell me that they had the foresight that, okay, you know, we're going to, we're not going to run at Chicago land this year. This is all going to be a thing. And we're just going to, you know, bulldoze the track. So that's why I, I just, I was just like, I think Adam's just out on a limb here. And I just, I just really hope that this is not true. And when it came out that they were looking at redeveloping surplus land, that's why I said, okay, that makes more sense to me because you got to imagine if, if you guys have never been to some of these racetracks and, and, you know, like Pocono is a good one, right? Pocono has a ton of land around it that they're just not utilizing. You know, like out by the actual racetrack themselves, by the, by the track, like by the road. I mean, there's parking lots that I don't even know if there's been cars in it since the 90s. Okay? Since the 90s. And they can make that a strip mall for all the heck we know. I mean, they did that with Dover. I mean, Dover, if you go to Dover uh, International Speedway now, they have the casino, right? But there's strip malls in front of Dover. Dover used to be like like literally out in the middle of nowhere as, in, in a degree. Dover was never as built up as it is now. Part of the reason why Dover is built up the way it is is because of the racing. And the economy and all the money that gets spent those couple weekends, they were building strip malls and all this stuff. Now half the stuff's vacant anyhow. Because the economy in Delaware sucks, but I mean that's a whole nother point. So uh, you know, you sit there and you say, well, you know, you could do something with this land. What are you going to do? So Pocono actually came up with a great idea. They built an organic farm. They're building an organic hydroponic indoor farm that they built on their property, and they're going to sell produce out of it. And it's an amazing thing that they're doing. But you got to look at it this way. Chicagoland is going to build I mean, NASCAR through their partnership with Hillsworth. Um, they're going to, they're going to build an industrial park there. And, and I guess they're going to sell the property off to the Hillsworth and they're going to develop it. And then it's going to become like one of those distribution companies that are going to own it. Uh, one of those warehousing companies like pro logistics or wh- whoever um, is going to own it, but you know, they're going to do that and, and it's going to get sold off. NASCAR needs to do something, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, it, it's, it's any major company today is looking for any way they can maximize their, their revenue. And even if NASCAR doesn't sell it and they le- they land lease it because, because there's money in land leasing, believe it or not, they can land lease it and make revenue off of that. That way there, that offsets the money that they're losing on the racetrack. So we'll see. And they're going to probably do the same thing out in California out by Auto Club, they might do very something very similar to redevelop the outside of the track. And who knows what they're going to do. But they're looking at doing stuff with all these tracks because, again, NASCAR's understanding that they're, it's not as popular as it used to be. They have to kind of mold and change what they're doing. And they have to look at these things. But, you know, thankfully, the, the report that Adam had was, was inaccurate. He had to walk it back like three times uh, because then he kept – trying to redirect it to where he thought it was going. And then it kept finding out, um, that that wasn't true. So, so poor Adam, you know, he had one of those stories and it happens, but, um, you know, like I said, you know, when you're doing this for as long as I've done it, it it just, these things happen. They happen to the best of them. And, And like I said, you know, I'm just glad that we waited. I wanted to see, uh, I was going to wait until July 16th because I honestly, I wanted to hear what the actual, thing was going to be the presentation. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see NASCAR's reaction. And I knew something was going to happen because as soon as Adam had it and other people started retweeting it and doing all the stuff that people were doing, um, it, it, we were going to get an answer because somebody was going to leak it. You, you know, uh, did you hear what Adam Stern said? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? It was going to come out. So I knew it was coming and I just was like, okay, it's going to come. There's going to be an answer. We're going to know what's going to happen. And, and um, you know, turned out to be false. So, so for now, we will have racing at Chicagoland, obviously, albeit with a, a much leaner staff. But most of the tracks that NASCAR owns are going to get lean uh, in the staffing wise. You know, it, it's just there, there's there's too much money people are going to lose. There's too much revenue that's being lost right now. Um, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I mean, on the uh, Facebook Live last night, NASCAR is, lo- is going to lose a bunch of money from revenue streams at these tracks this year. So you're going to see people are going to lose jobs. And, and this is happening in real life all over this country right now. People are losing jobs. 
And don't think for a minute that these NASCAR drivers and teams aren't immune to this. Somehow this is all going to kind of create a ripple and we're all going to feel it. We're all going to feel it in some way, shape or form. And the, the loss in revenue is going to, is going to be interesting how NASCAR tackles it. And that's part of the reason why they're not doing practicing and not why they're not doing qualifying. And I personally think the reason why they're doing the 600 qualifying is because of the pop and circumstance of the Memorial day Coca-Cola 600. It is the only race on that weekend that is actually running as scheduled. Everything else is either postponed or canceled. So it is the only thing we're going to have Memorial Day right, uh, weekend for racing. It's usually the greatest day in motorsports. You usually wake up and you got to watch the Formula One at Monaco. Then you get to have lunch at Indy. And then you get to have dinner at Charlotte. You're not even going to get to have any of the three before it. You get to have dinner at Charlotte. Great. We already had plans for that. So it is what it is. But crazy, crazy craziness. So that'll do it for this episode of Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Check out all of our previous episodes. Don't forget we will have probably one or two more installments of NASCAR for Rookies for those fans and uh, friends and family members that you guys know that are going to tune in for the first time to NASCAR. Tell them to listen to the first three episodes. We'll have episode four up uh, probably tomorrow, uh, maybe tomorrow morning, maybe tomorrow evening, maybe Saturday night. I don't know. We're going to do something tomorrow, Saturday. Look at me. I forget what day it is. Or, or maybe Sunday. I don't know. Uh, but we will have four, and then five will be up at some point as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to check us out on social, and we'll catch you guys next time on the podcast, hopefully Monday, Tuesday, uh, to go over Darlington. Real Racing is back. Thanks for listening to the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chiefs Corner, TikTok at Crew Chiefs Corner, and on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.